The taxi stopped just short of the guardhouse that gated the entrance to Ferris Aircraft. As Matt paid the cabbie, I tried to smooth-talk our way onto the base, saying that we were security consultants from out of town. The gamble worked, and as we casually strode through the lot, looking for anything green and glowing, a hint of emerald in one of the hangars caught our eye. Racing to the open doors, we saw no lantern or hero, just an aeronautics engineer who greeted us with a nervous smile. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Okay, more Green Lantern. We are excited to just continue with more Hal Jordan. I think, honestly, for me, this starts to get into the territory of, like, actual Green Lantern-like sci-fi stuff. I'll agree, and I'm, I think that's actually to its detriment. Depends. At, at least in, mean, the, in the short term. In terms of these stories, I think it actually makes it less good. Well, that's the thing is, like, you were, you are, and were a huge fan of the him and Carol thing. Yep, <laughs> and that's cool to me. But as a reader who's looking back at Green Lantern as a um, franchise, mm-hmm. I'll explain to you why these four issues are really interesting. Oh no, I, I, I fully like when viewed as part of the future. These issues are critical, absolutely. Right. So you are you're aware of the importance of some of these things. Uh, certainly, uh, knowing that we're coming uh, up on the first real sense of other lanterns, I know like right after this snippet that we look at, we start having the first other lantern. I don't remember his name, but right. uh, Fish Boy. Yeah, uh, Tomar Ray. And, and and we have Sinistro very shortly thereafter. Uh, we have I think we don't have Parallax, but we do have like yellow rings coming up but so yeah yeah I, I, I certainly like this is i mean this is the establishment of what green lantern is going to be there's right. no question about that and honestly just to kick it off from like right there <laughs> like frankly there's yeah no why one. not um we're gonna go to green lantern number two september and october 1960 green lantern goes to the antimatter universe of the planet quarried so speaking of that like i know I have that association in my head that Quard is important. Would you like me to drop why Quard is important? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Quard and the Quardian Weaponers are the guys who make Sinestro's ring. Oh. Right. They are incredibly important to the Green Lantern mythos. Again, we, I'm sure we'll get to this when it comes to it, but the Weaponers of Quard make Sinestro's yellow ring. Interesting. So that that is why the name... Weaponers is stuck around because it's that right. weird, like clunky ass name, right. but so, it makes sense if that's the context. Yeah, and so it's it's incredibly important for the mythos and the lore of mm-hmm. Green Lantern later in the comic. Um, so that's kind of why this is exciting. It's mm-hmm. less personal interest, yeah. but that, it is like sci. It is it's, sci-fi. It's, as it's, hell. This is high sci-fi, like anti, like different universe. Hi-fi. Hi-fi. It's very hi-fi. Um, <laughs> But space it's, opera? Not yet. Space it's it's opera, not intergalactic. No. I would say this is science fiction purely because it's point to point as opposed mm-hmm. as opposed to I would say um, space opera is like destination to destination. Honestly, um, I think a space opera is just being more like soap operas in space, where there's more of a sense of constantly uh, constantly moving plot and convolutions. Uh, uh, I, I would say also a, a requirement is um, like the equivalent of countries being involved. 
like large organizations yeah we don't quite have that like right now it feels like each lantern is kind of siloed he's he's on the cusp of it this comic is on the cusp of being a huge space opera like Mm -hmm. buck rogers uh flash gordon type of comic i think i think right around green lantern nine or ten like right around when sinestro is introduced not not actually with but a couple issues after is when we start having like five or more green lanterns start showing up exactly um so again green lantern goes to the antimatter the the antimatter universe of and to the planet quard to rescue some weaponers who are less than thrilled about being weaponers and to kind of exact some vengeance on some quardians who came to earth and attacked it um, in the second story in Green Lantern number two, we are introduced to Thomas Kalmaku, or Kalmaku, not really entirely certain how to pronounce it. It is Alaskan uh, Native American, Native Canadian. All I know for sure is that like Inuit? DC Wikia and Wikipedia say he's Inuit. At this point, he's just termed as Eskimo, oh, yeah. which this... is not the same as Inuit. And yeah. I have stuff about that. Yeah, um, but he is he's definitely coded as like... Inuit, but they use the term Eskimo interchangeably. That is incorrect. Um, content warning. I'm going to say a not racially correct word purely just for the sake of saying that it's in the comic as a historical context thing, and we'll never use it again unless Matt uses it during his uh, expository. Um, Hal refers to Thomas, or Tom as I'll call him, as pie face. I don't really know if this is like a, a, a racial slur. It is considered one now. It is it is one now, definitely. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I'm trying to think of the 60s, and I'm like, that doesn't sound like... like mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like he's denigrating Thomas in any way. They all refer to Thomas as a really good engineer. He's very smart. Um, I would I would classify him as plucky. Like, he's not stupid, but he's yeah. definitely, like, um, a little bit, um, like, he's not as wise, but he's mm-hmm. very intelligent. Um, yeah, he, he is a good and enthusiastic friend. Yeah. They, they do not um, sideline him because he is a minority. Like, they don't treat him like they treat Doivy Dickles. But yeah. first, first and foremost, he's more competent than probably carol i would say purely because he's just intelligent and works in an in, uh, an aircraft and during the course of the comics we see him kind of go through some adventures pretty well um i like the tr- i like how thomas is in these comics i think he's a he's an okay sidekick for not being robin mm-hmm. i think i think that's great <laughs> like that's the thing is mm-hmm. like he's he's not a robin character and green lantern never has a sidekick so I'm okay with him in this point, but it's just very strange that like they use that term as like Hal's nickname for him, and he doesn't seem upset by it. I don't know if it's Hal trying to be cool, or if it's just the writers are using a term that in the '60s is just like supposed to be slang. Don't know. Don't ever call anyone that. <laughs> it's no, just not a good word. No. Uh, but during the course of the story, uh, Hal helps Tom basically find a treasure map that leads to a gold mine that he helps Tom stake so that his town, his hometown in Alaska can rebuild and be safe. Because Tom was going to leave Ferris Aircraft to go back and do this, and Hal was like, I need you, you're my my engineer, like, I can't do this job without you, let me help you. He, he At the end, he also reveals that he is Green Lantern. 
and Tom is now in on the secret. So now we do have kind of a Joyby Dickles allegory for Alan Scott. You've got Thomas Kalmaku for Hal Jordan. Green Lantern number three, November, December, 1960. Uh, the Quardians trick Green Lantern to, into basically revealing where his hidden power battery is so that they can steal it and try and like reverse engineer it. It's a pretty straightforward story. It's kind of cool. Again, we go back to the Animator universe. We see some of the tanks and guns of Quard. Green Lantern kind of outsmarts them. We kind of see Hal getting smarter and better with his ring. A little bit more ingenuity, a little bit more clever. A, um, a lot more like designed constructs, right. it feels like. Hammers or yeah. like shields. Not things. just energy blasts yeah. like we were kind of seeing for the first little while. He's starting, he's starting to get the hang of this. If anything, mm-hmm. just like... He's comfortable doing what he's doing and nothing really beyond that. But what he's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And it's working. Um, the second story in that, uh, this is stupid. Carol decides that since it's a leap year, she is going to uh, propose to Green Lantern. Uh, apparently that's a thing. Yeah. I, I, I never yeah. knew that. Uh, uh, but uh, what, it, uh, Sockhop. Sockhop? Sadie Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins. Oh, right. God damn it. No, you're right. Um, but it's it's kind of a Sadie Hawkins situation where she decides that she is going to propose to Green Lantern because she's tired of waiting for him. And, of course, Green Lantern, or Hal, has no desire to propose to her as Green Lantern. He wants her to fall in love with Hal Jordan and wants to propose to her as Hal, so he has no intention of doing that. Which does bring up the question of why he's gone on dates with her as Green Lantern in the past. Right. But, but at the same time, it's the only way he's able to spend time with yeah. her, which kind of, you know, it's six, it, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Like, this is the... Before, it felt like it was, oh, romantic drama, and now it's like a little bit absurd Archie. Right. So... During this, you know, cavalcade of nonsense. <laughs> That's a good word for it. Green Lantern creates a fake monster to kind of fabricate some sort of emergency that he's needed on. And he gets knocked out by like a kid's toy plane. And the monster just starts to gain sentience and be a monster. Because he's just like, oh, I must exist. Everyone's afraid of me and shooting at me. Well, then I don't like them. And starts being a monster. And when Green Lantern wakes up, he's like, oh, shit. They got a hand real quick. And like, pretends to defeat the monster to make it look like he wasn't in control with it. And... You know, gets back on the ground, Carol begins to propose to him, and then the Green Lantern fan club, which is basically the Bye Bye Birdie fan club, all those girls who are who are screaming and cheering for mm-hmm. Conrad Birdie. That's I've a good never musical. Seen that musical. Um think Beatlemania, except just for Green Lantern. Hmm. And they chase him away and he's like, Sorry, I'm not gonna marry him out and leaves. Um real quick, the ring can create sentience. Yeah. And the fact that GL has no problem melting something that achieved sentience. Right. A uh, little weird, uh, just, a, just a little bit of a, whoa, um, can you do that kind of a thing? But yeah. apparently it can. The ring clearly can create life to a degree. At least intelligent life, not really organic life. And so one thing I almost wonder about this, uh, it's only shown as doing that self-reflective thing and talking to, and thinking to itself while Hal's unconscious. So I almost wonder whether part of his, like, consciousness was Im- not imbued, but, like, traveled into it and animated it while he was unconscious. Which, like, that's my no-prize explanation, because otherwise it's kind of squicky. Yeah, it's like the Invisible Destroyer from the last episode. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. subconscious. Because presumably he has to be yeah. focusing to maintain the construct. Oh. 
Wait, are you saying that Green Lantern, all of the all of his stuff is a concentration spell? Do yeah. like 60 points of damage, he has to roll a concentra- yeah, concentration check. Absolutely, no. Green Lantern is, <laughs> if anything, he's a, a mage. Like a, like a combat yeah, mage. Yeah, um, So every, I, I hope he took Warcaster. Yeah, I would say if if maybe Bard? He's more you know, Bard like, or, or Sorcerer or Wizard. Like, so not, I'm going to go with an Evoker Wizard. Speci- okay. Maybe a Sorcerer. Uh, I would say that maybe when we get with uh, Kyle, maybe Kyle's a little more of a, more of a bard because that's yeah. a little bit more whimsical. Well, I would I would say almost he uh, Hal is more of a cleric because it's more paladiny, mm. and they yeah. do have concentration spells. I th- they're not very, they're, yeah. they're few and far between, but it's but, like he's just using spectral weapon like constantly. Yeah, that's basically yeah. all he's using. Yeah, like a super themed. Uh, like paladin or, cleric. or guiding yeah. bolt, like Cler- or probably like, cleric, probably you, cleric. Like then you get the most spell access. Yeah, he's just using guiding bolt and like divine <laughs> weapon, like constantly. But there we go. I'm just imagining Hal Jordan running around in a field throwing beanbags at another person, yelling "Lightning bolt, lightning bolt!" Of course, and Batman's chasing him. Like you can't keep doing that. I don't get to hit anyone because he's a he's still a monk. <laughs> he's still a monk. Oh wait, oh we get we have to. I'm imagining like high school D and D. JLA and yeah. like we we've got like the the shitty cam- video camera like 90s style and you just see like him uh, uh you've got Hal Jordan throws a lightning bolt and Batman ducks under it slow-mo matrix style like someone discovered that <laughs> level of fo- uh, video editing and does like the around thing oh man <laughs> um but yeah he he does that and you know dodges Carol's advances and that's the end of the story uh green lantern number four january february 1961 thomas is laid low by radiation from a quartian missile that attacks hal and kind of like jumps in front of it to, to save him but hal protects him with his ring and stops the missile and is, is that the way it goes i pretty thought much. That, if i'm remembering rightly uh i thought he jumped in front it didn't it like took him out and he didn't like slow it down much at all and then uh, Hal was able to stop well, it. Well, I thought he was... Because this is actually important. Cause, We're checking uh, now. Uh, one thing I'll, I've got for Tom later on is... He, the only time I've seen him be like j- certified useful is after oh. this. So it, I would say uh, like the missile had a force field. Because it doesn't yeah, hit him. That, that's the way it seems. So yeah, some, some force field for the missile bounces Thomas off of it. And uh, once Hal stops the missile, he realizes that Thomas has been infected by some sort of yellow radiation, which he can't deal with because of his ring. Um, looks at the missile more importantly and just realizes this is probably from Quard. Goes to Quard to get the guys to be like, hey, I need an antidote for my friend, you assholes who tried to kill me. <laughs> and they're like, well, we will give it to you if you fight our robot Naxos. Which is just a cool... Oh man, and this bit is so disappointing. Naxos it's, is Like, cool. so much coolness and then immediately nothing <laughs> right i mean naxos is this cool robot they developed to fight green lantern they get in a sort of gladiator arena thing and as he's fighting naxos naxos begins to speak to him because apparently naxos has developed sentience and awesomeness and is like hey um you're cool these guys are bad here's the antidote for your friend i just happen to be able to make it here on the field of battle and also that was a little odd in retrospect. yeah and it's like all right, uh, I'll cover your escape and then naxos gets destroyed by the guardians he gets destroyed like in a text bubble like not right. off screen, but it happens. Like you already see him destroyed, uh, and GL is saying something by the time it happens. It's right. really like a full page of build up, and then he's just gone. Yeah, their fight is like two pages. Yeah, and then 
Green Lantern returns from the antimatter universe to save Thomas and all is well. Second story in Green Lantern number four. Hal crashes Carol's dinner party that she's hosting <laughs> yes. um, to try and get the Green Lantern to come. And he's just like, this will be great, watch. And shows up as Hal Jordan. He's like, hey, I guess the Green Lantern didn't show up. You mind if I hang out? Because now you're short one. And she's like, I guess, Hal, sure. And Hal actually kind of shows that he's really cool at the party. He's, yeah. he's entertaining everybody. Because, again, we can't reiterate this enough. Hal is not Clark Kent. Hal mm-hmm. is not an undesirable man. He is smart, he's good-looking, he's pretty charismatic, and he's got a job. And, like, I <laughs> mean... a cool job! Yeah, he's got a cool job. Like, Hal Jordan is not an unattractive prospect for any woman, and he's a pretty eligible he's bachelor. He's Uncle Jesse. Yeah, he's, he's basically the superhero equivalent of Uncle Jesse. And the fact that every time Hal just is Hal in front of Carol, and she's like, oh my god, I forgot how hot Hal is. Like, it's just like, come on, like... It's manufactured. Yeah. At, at this point, it feels manufactured. It is definitely Unfortunately, that status quo is not going to last too long. I'll touch on that later. Right. Uh, but Hal is at the party, and the waiters end up being crooks who decide <laughs> to dress up like Green Lantern, and one of them tries to just basically pass as Green Lantern, and Hal's like, who the fuck is this shit? As he's watching this guy basically pretend to be him. They do the they do this bit in an effort to just steal everybody's jewels. Hal turns into the Green Lantern, stops him, and then leaves. Uh, in the midst of all this, while the crooks are doing this charade, the guy who's pretending to be Green Lantern gets knocked out, and Carol swipes the mask off of his face, and she's not impressed by what she sees, which is, I thought was very shallow, because she's just like, hmm, maybe I don't like him if he looks like this, and then leaves him unconscious on the floor. Um, <laughs> That's true, yeah. And then when she meets Hal later, who is as the Green Lantern, she immediately tries to rip the mask off his face, and he's like, it's affixed by energy, you can't do that. And she's like, no, drat. That's like all, that's all we ever hear it about. It was a good moment. It was a good He's moment. He's just like, lady, please stop. Um, <laughs> Green Lantern number five, April, May, 1961. Hector Hammond. This is the first real, true, honest to God supervillain we see for the Green Lantern as a character. They even refer to him as a supervillain. That's true. Which yeah. I thought was neat. And it's the first of the full issue stories, right? Correct. It is the first of, of the full one, two, three stories for GL. Even though the first story he shows up in your showcase is like the first two stories have something to deal with each other and then like the third is kind of like a maybe weeks later kind of a situation uh, um, yeah. but it's this is the first green lantern yeah. comic that is one two three i think mm-hmm. um hector hammond is just this fancy science playboy guy that everybody's really enamored with who happens to just know a bunch of cool tricks i think show off elon musk oh who happens to be like more interested in going to like parties than he is about like saving the world and Hal is not happy about this guy because Carol seems quite taken with him now as they go to investigate Hector Hammond Hal has a great idea hey Thomas I'm gonna basically just turn you into me and give you a fake Green Lantern ring that can last for only 24 hours and you just fly around Coast City being Green Lantern for a day and basically be a distraction while I go check out this weird signal that's kind of like out there that I think is to do with Hector Hammond. And Thomas is like, sure, I get to be a superhero for a day. No problem. And Hal's like, cool, glad we both agree on this plan. And they split up. As Tom is flying around the city making a scene so that he is seen as Green Lantern, 
some scientists on an island see him through a televiewer thing. It's not important. Basically, they tractor beam the fake Green Lantern to the island and reveal to him, hey, uh, Hector Hammond is holding us hostage and he uses us to make all of his inventions. And Thomas is like, wow, that's heavy. Um, I can't do anything about it because when you tractor beamed me here, my fake ring fell off. And so he has no ring now. He's just a dude who looks like Green Lantern. We are super intelligent, but we did not think of this. Right, yeah, it's it's very silly. And Hector Hammond, of course, finds the ring on his secret private island and goes like, what luck, a Green Lantern ring. That must mean Green Lantern is around. And as he's using the ring and messing around with it, he finds Green Lantern, a.k.a. Thomas at this point, and just locks him up with the scientists. And how... Starts to see that the ring is being No, used. no, no. You're skipping over something important here. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, on the island, Hector decides to reveal that, like, Hey, I got all this cool stuff from a meteor. And everyone's like, What? He goes, Yeah, so, like, I found this meteor on this island and it evolved everything really, really advanced in, like, a hundred thousand years and plants were growing that shouldn't be growing. So I just took a bunch of dudes and shoved them next to the meteor and I made them advance, too. Um, so, hey, Green Lantern, guess what? You're a monkey now. And, and legit turns Thomas into a monkey a la Animorphs. He, he de-evolves him back to how, whatever, like a million years back, the, the missing link. Right. And I do want to call out, like, props to both Aquaman and Green Lantern. They both take evolution as a given. Right. Um, and also, I guess the ring can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so, things we're learning about power rings. Right. I mean, actually, well, to be fair, like, the line is they can do anything. That's right. the line that as we long see as, used. As long as your will is able to command it. Yeah. The, um, the limitations don't really get, like, established until later. I mean, right. e- even it. Slight digression, just a short one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to me, every kind of power that gets introduced about the ring just gets introduced. We don't see, like, any kind of, like, uh, Superman uh, introduction, like, oh, this is how the powers work. Uh, we don't see any, like, oh, like, my body is made of pure energy, so bullets go through it. It's just, he, whatever he needs to do, he just can do. He can, right. oh, I can phase through because I can do that. I can turn myself invisible. I can make a copy. Right. And it's, like, it's kind of good that they don't take extra time to explain, but at the same time, it's, Really? You don't want to explain it a little bit? Anyways. Yeah, it's kind of Gardner Fox in that aspect, but a little... uh, Kind of let it slide, because these are more enjoyable than Gardner Fox. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It it works, but I could see it being annoying for especially, like, super lore critique folks. Right. I mean, for me, I'm just going, now, they can't do that with the rings. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, back to the story, Hal realizes that the ring is being used away from Coast City, and he goes, oh boy... You know, Thomas might be in trouble. So he goes to find Thomas, and he's like, oh my god, you're a monkey! And transforms him back, and he's like, oh my god, watch out, Hector Hammond! And he's like, wait, what? And they begin to have a ring fight. Uh, some fancy ring slinging with uh, just weird constructs, and Hector Hammond makes a machine gun mm-hmm. nest to kill Green Lantern. It's, but then It's nicely inventive. Right. Um, but then you also realize that he hasn't charged this fake ring, so it disappears <laughs> right when he's about to command all the machine guns to shoot. Plot convenience. Right, and he goes, well, I'll do it myself. And again, which begs the question, those are constructs. How are they staying around? The ring is gone. So, I all, I'm i not sure about this, but I think at this point they haven't, like, they say, 
the ring can create things. It doesn't say like they are constructs per se. Right. Because uh, now that you mention it, that actually makes something click. So I, I read it a little bit ahead. Uh, the issue with Sinestro, where he sets himself Sinestro, where he sets himself up as a tyrant, uh, he builds with the ring a palace, and it's still there. Like right. it's not like oh, this is a temporary ass thing. Right. So I almost wonder if at this point, like the intended canon is things stay when they're built okay um but as hal jordan defeats hector hammond he erases all the intelligence that he has learned from those guys out of his brain and then also kind of reverts the guys back to normal and takes away all the inventions out of their heads as well and he's like okay everybody's back to stage one and hector hammond is put in jail and now is decidedly reading books like a madman to learn all the information that he lost back Specifically and the dictionary. Like, that seems like weird. a really inefficient way yeah, to learn. That's that's not working for you. Go with encyclopedias, man. Yeah. So that's where we're going to stop today. We're going to stop right before things get really spacey, I suppose. And then when we come back to Green Lantern, we're going to hit heavy on all of that. But we're going to move forward with another character soon. But I imagine you have a plethora of notes. Honestly, a lot of them come down to Thomas. Or Tom, Thomas. Yeah, I mean, whatever you want to yeah. call him. Just as long as you uh, don't call him the other. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a chunk of it is about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, but first, let's go, let's digress to the future. Uh, actually, our past. Our six years ago past? Sure. 20, came out in 2011? Yeah, 2011, 2010. Yeah. So, in preparation for this episode, uh, John and I watched uh, the Green Lantern movie. It was right. the first time I had seen it. Right. Uh, and first off, like we generally agree, it's it's not a great movie. Well, now it's... there's now, now there's two more you gotta watch. You gotta watch the two animated movies. Oh yeah, because yeah. those are good. Those are good. I, I absolutely believe it. But yes, we do watch the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern film, and and he was one of the best parts of that movie. Uh, and like a generally okay movie, like not bad yeah. or not. It wasn't bad in any way. It just didn't feel uninspired. But anyways, I had I have a little bit of notes uh, relating to it. Uh, first off, the actor who plays Thomas is apparently Maori and Russian Jewish, which is. is why he doesn't look Inuit. Uh, kind of disappointing they didn't get an Inuit actor, but they also didn't just completely whitewash the character. Yeah. So I'd say it like kind of it, it comes out <laughs> in the wash. <laughs> the you tried star. Yeah, and also like he was a solid character. Yeah. So you know, like good actor. All right, uh, person of color. One thing that you brought up was not understanding why Abin Sur had a spaceship. Yeah. And so, in the course of researching stuff for this, uh, first off, like, there's still no justification in the movie as to why he wouldn't... Yep. Ha- why he would have a spaceship. However, in the comics, at least in uh, Green Lantern Volume 3, so this was around, like, 2007, yeah, that's, 2008. that's post-rebirth. That's, yeah. post, that's post-Hal Jordan's return to the comics, so... That's different yep. Yep. than the DC Rebirth. This is just Green Lantern Rebirth. Oh, God, you're right. They reused the tagline. Well, Jeff Johns was in charge, so he could do whatever he wants because he was the one that started the Rebirth tagline, so he could do whatever he needs. God, yeah. All right, yeah, no, but it worked. It worked. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but, yeah, did you read, like, that chunk of Green Lantern stuff? A uh, while. I, that okay. was during the War so, of the Light and stuff like that, so that was when, like, the Sinestro um, Corps started happening, Red Lantern. I read uh, everything, like... I honestly don't know. I basically read Rebirth, and then I read Sinestro Core War, uh, Rage of the Red Lanterns, Agent Orange, 
So I'm did not... you go through like three issues of flashback, like back to no, Hal's origin? I don't okay. remember seeing that. So you know, I, I, I almost wonder if like what you were reading was specifically Green Lantern Corps, but one way or another, uh, for a reference for something about Tom, uh, I read one exactly one art uh, issue of Green Lantern. It was Green Lantern number thirty from volume three, and in it's a it's a flashback issue, and it had. Uh, uh, Avan Sur flying and like getting basically heckled by Atrocitus, I think. Yeah, Atrocitus uh, is the guy who wounds him. Mm-hmm. And his whole, like, yeah, I've never uh, seen he's, that. He's heckling him about, yeah, so he's heckling him about, yeah, we both saw this vision where your ring would fail you in the moment of greatest need. So now you've got this spaceship with weapons on it yeah. because you don't trust your ring. And because he didn't trust the ring, because he didn't have the faith and the willpower in it. Uh, the construct that he had used to hold uh, Atrocitus in place broke. Uh, so within, like, that might be a little bit of, like, a no-prize retcon to give a reason for the spaceship. Yeah, I'll but... take it. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense to me. I like that. All right. So a lot of my stuff is about Tom. Okay. Uh, frankly, because, like, he's... I don't want to call him the Lois, but... Uh, he's the Jimmy. He's, he's Jimmy Olsen. So from a different, I'm, I'm actually coming at it from a different angle. Uh, he is the new sidekick who gets introduced and then shows up in every story, like basically from then on. Uh, and sometimes, like we'll see that sometimes where a character will be introduced and they just keep showing up in basically every story. And then there are some where it's more like it goes for a little while and then it drops off. Like uh, Ultra Humanite is an example, not <laughs> of a sidekick, but yeah. here's a villain who's in everything, 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 gone. Right. So, Tom is pretty consistent, uh, especially because of the, and again, content warning, uh, pie face thing. Uh, I have a variety of things that I kind of want to talk about, also because he is showing up in so many stories and is the, the character who Hal talks with the most. Uh, he winds up, like, he occupies screen time. There are pages with him instead of with other characters, namely with Carol. Uh, so I want to talk about like the effect of that, and more importantly, what we kind of how he fits in. So talking about Tom Kamaku, uh, preface: I'm a white guy who wasn't raised in Alaska. Right. All of what I have here is quick research, so I may get stuff wrong. Thanks, Doctor Internet. Yep, it's a lot of that. Uh, first, let's briefly talk names. Uh, I have no idea whether Kamaku is a common Inuit surname, or whether Terga, who is the name of his later girlfriend, who we'll meet mm-hmm. uh, a couple issues later, is a common Inuit first name. Uh, it would not amaze me if Broom just made it up uh, as something that sounds, I mean, I'm going to use the word Eskimo, yeah. uh, because that's what he says. I don't even know if Broom is saying that, or specifically basing Thomas in Inuit language and culture and traditions at this point, or if he's just like a like oh he's just a he's just an Eskimo Eskimo and we'll make things sound Eskimo-ish for right. him. Uh, I don't know if he's decided to be in, in that uh, Tom is into it yet. Uh, so speaking of, uh, let's also talk terminology. Uh, again, white guy. Uh, this is me doing Wikipedia research. Uh, Thomas is consistently called an Eskimo in this, uh, and I wanted to know if that was the correct terminology, so I did some research. 
looking at terminology for the Native Americans in the Arctic uh, as a white guy feels about like being an American looking at the British Isles. Hmm. There's a lot of ways to misstep, but it's still important to get right. Uh, there are two different axes to consider, uh, language groups and location. And if I'm reading it all correctly, there are three major language groups in the area. Inuit, uh, Yupik, and Alut. Uh, Alut being Aleutian. Right. Uh, which means you can't always just replace Eskimo with Inuit because that's not the only culture right. group. That's not the only language group. Uh, there's also the location axis, Canadian, Alaskan, and everything else, which realistically means uh, Greenland and uh, parts of Siberia. Uh, but those are less important, I think. Uh, just less people there. Uh, so the thing there is that we can't say Native Alaskan because that's a terminology that we use in the U.S. for, okay, we, we don't have a word that encompasses all the native groups that live in Alaska, we can, like, the state of Alaska can say Native Alaskan. But if we're also referring to the Canadian uh, Inuit, we can't necessarily do that. Uh, and also, there are different cultural standards in each country. I didn't know this. I assumed that Eskimo was kind of always considered a slur. Uh, apparently not always. Uh, apparently, specifically, like, in Canada, it is more considered a slur. Uh, in the U.S., it's less likely to be so. Uh, apparent, apparently, like, Eskimo sounds like a... may be related to uh, words in other uh, languages up and down the coast uh, that translate to, like, eater of raw meat. Hmm. So it's like, we don't know if this is just, like, a homonym or if it's, like, actually, like, this is what it means and it's kind of a slur applied by those other tribes. Don't know. But one way or another, apparently it's not as much of a slur in the U.S. One way or another, like, this is something we want to get right, so let us know. Yeah, well, um, actually, yes. Yeah, and realistically, what the takeaway from this that everyone should bring with them is that there isn't a single name that applies in all situations. Uh, specifically you shouldn't generalize about native tribes. Inuit and Yupik aren't the same any more than New Jersey and New York are the same just because they're close. Right. Uh, listen to your Native American friends about what they want to be identified as. They may prefer to be called Indians, though that was what m my friends said. Like, hey, this is how we self-identify. This is how we want you to refer to us. Uh, your friends may not want that. Uh, your friends may not want labels at all. Talk to your friends about what they want to be identified as or if they want to be identified at all. That is entirely reasonable. Respect people and ask them. Right. And that is your uh, public service announcement for the day, which brings us to, content warning again, pie face. So, it's not clear is basically what it boils down to. Like, my read on this is that it wasn't a slur before Green Lantern came out, but then people adopted it and started using it so much and directing it at uh, Inuit and Yupik uh, Native Alaskans uh, that it became effectively a slur. I can't find anything from before 1960 about it being a slur. Before then it was apparently like someone who was kind of uh, empty-headed, kind of a little bit, just, oh, I don't think about too much. So yeah. a little problematic on its own, but not necessarily racially tinged 
That being said, there might be an entry in the 1960. Uh, it's the American Diction, uh, the Dictionary of American Slang, uh, but I can't find a copy that has like those pages. Google Books doesn't have like that specific set of entries, hmm. uh, so I can't tell. Uh, but there doesn't seem to be anything concrete about this was a slur before then. Certainly a slur now, though. Yeah. Uh, so be aware of that. And according to 80s DC writer Gerard Jones, uh, he asked hey. Edward uh, editor uh, Julius Schwartz about it and was told, quote, it was a pun on Eskimo pie. Whether we believe it or not, that's another question. Uh, you always got to be a little bit careful about that. Uh, that quote comes from Green Lantern, an unauthorized history, uh, an unauthorized guide to the DC comic book series Green Lantern. Which seems like an okay quality source. Broom or whoever, uh, it may have been Schwartz, whoever introduced the character or came up with the character probably was trying to do something good, yeah. but at like execution matters and they kinda fucked it up. It's again again it's the you tried star. <laughs> it's like good for you, you made an effort. An A for effort, C for execution, but you know, God bless you for trying. Yeah, and actually points to the star like Tom is actually really fly at points. Yeah, like Tom's when cool. he's first introduced—not uh, when he's first introduced—but uh, there's an uh, there's an issue where he intercepts Quardian uh, tele uh, telecommunications by like he is fixing somebody's uh, TV antenna and is holding on to the antenna and yeah. starts getting like antenna uh, radio or TV waves. And while he's getting that, he is dressed in. It's like. Uh, it's really fly with a little bit of Native American style. He's wearing what looks like a disco shirt with a massive V-neck. Yeah. And if I'm reading the inking right, it's made from the same material as moccasins. Like, it's got that color. Nice. And he's got work boots of the same color. And he's got burnt umber pants. And he drives an open, old open-top Cadillac. Yeah. He just looks awesome in Tom, that particular yeah. bit. Tom's pretty fly. Like, he's, he's no joke. Yeah. And that being said now i got to transition into again the failures of execution tom never actually helps out he like he is a good friend he is there for hal absolutely like he drives hal to the dinner party he takes hal's place uh temporarily to help out but in terms of like actual like combat situations which he's in he doesn't ever make a difference he's an inza type of sidekick is kind of the way i think about him he is someone who is there who like discovers things and relays them to the main hero but he doesn't contribute to the action mm. and that sucks because he's he's a good character by and large and he's a good friend he just never gets written to actually contribute also important and this is another execution issue tom is consistently diminished uh, the way he's referred to makes him smaller. He's always referred to as little. And he's also referred to as Grease Monkey, which isn't a problem in and of itself, but that's the way he's referred to frequently. He's the he's Hal's little Grease Monkey friend. Right. Which isn't a bad, but he's never called a mechanic. He's never called an engineer. He's always called Grease Monkey. Yeah, I mean, Hal refers to him as an expert when servicing on jets. I mean, they they don't they, they value his, his experience. There's no question about that. But the way that the narrator 
introduces him a lot, especially when right. it's doing that like start of the and start of the issue like Hal oh, Jordan, Hal Jordan kid. and his friend Thomas Kalmaku. Yeah, that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, and it's like it's not wrong. No, well, I mean, but it's upholding heard, some of the same. I've heard Grease Monkey used for literally anybody who works as a mechanic. So yeah, to me, that's it's, like a. It's that's the thing. It's not wrong. Yeah, it him being shorter isn't wrong, but the degree it's emphasized and repeated so many times that it starts to feel uncomfortable like it i don't know about intentional necessarily but definitely like you actually don't think of him as an equal to green lantern you don't think of him as an equal to Hal, uh in terms of the talking and thinking about the writers uh it's just a little bit weird and then later on there are uh bits where the body language of Hal to uh, Tom is uh, at least older brotherly. Like, yeah. there are bits where he's like, uh, I mean, there's a major height discrepancy, yeah. which is quite realistic if he's full-blooded uh, into it. Absolutely. It's just enough where it's like, absolutely points for trying. Execution is a little bit off. They did better with the, the foreign uh, people in Aquaman. Yeah. And, and to, to be fair, like, you only had to do it the one time in that story, and even then they weren't a main character. But, like, yeah, that was... It, it, taken in isolation, that was absolutely a better version of this. And to be clear, I like Tom as a character. Yeah, and I, I actually too. think that he does a pretty good job in a lot of ways. It's just that it needed... The execution needed to be better. Right. Now, the one last bit I have is exactly what you... Exactly what we talked about, just... I, I feel like the the romance aspect uh, was really important. The will they, won't they is fine if it's done well. Now, 60s and earlier comics, it's not done well. And that's totally fine because they're still trying to figure out how to do that. And I'm totally mm -hmm. okay with that. I'm willing to let that go. My personal headcanon at this point in Green Lantern is, Hal has pretty much just given up. He's, he's going to try when the opportunity presents itself to, mm. to show up for Carol like he does at the dinner party. But other than that, he's just kind of living his life and just going to do whatever he wants because he knows I've got two years, there's a timer on this, and then I can start trying again. Hopefully she wants me at that point. So in that time, you know, he's just doing his thing. And mm. I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea that, like, that's actually kind of realistic to me. It's somebody who is trying to have a relationship with someone who isn't getting the right vibe or isn't getting the response they want just going like all right it's cool i'm gonna do my own thing and that's what hal's doing i like that i it to me it's healthier for him as opposed to pining after carol mm -hmm. who is seemingly obsessed with his alter ego to the point where that might be a, a red flag <laughs> just just on an off chance but mm -hmm. i like the will they won't they like i loved the first three issues of showcase yes. with with the like yes. super steamy like oh my god like they're really into each other. Oh, like, this this is a tense relationship. Even after she became the boss. I, I was totally on board with that. Like, yeah, like, that's that's cool. That's hot. That's sexy. Mm. Perfect. But this, uh, but the, I'm in love with Green Lantern. I have this picture of him, and I'm going to hold it to my chest and mm -hmm. pine after him and not invite Hal to any parties and only invite Green Lantern to parties so Hal has to show up by himself to outwit. Like, that I could do without. Yeah. No, that I, bothers so the I, hell out I of me. I fully agree. Like... Uh, honestly, I think from uh, Green Lantern number one on, like yeah. I'm, I'm fully on board that this is, it was shitty writing. Uh, specifically that 
you heard me talk in the previous episode a lot about like how close they were in the yeah. paneling and in these stories how or rather green lantern is trying to build distance he's trying to get further right. away from her he's trying to be like let's flirt but let's not this can't go anywhere right. because i want like you and Hal to be a thing and yeah so first off like that's just fucked uh, that whole romantic dynamic is just fucked well I wonder if I wonder to a level of course yeah it's not good because he's being dishonest with her but he's also trying to establish well, boundaries no, uh, honestly so when I'm referring to fucked I mean it's just it's not going to be steamy it's not going to be oh, it's it, not going it to sizzle it really... because it's just like okay no you're right. like you're both sitting down on a park bench and then Hal is moving as far as possible to the edge right uh, and, and yeah it's like you really should uh, certainly there like <laughs> let's there is certainly a conversation to be had about oh yeah no you guys aren't being honest with each other but whatever like let's set that aside it's just not going to sizzle right uh, if they're like if he's actively trying to put distance and Carol like I think be- in part because the villains a- and situations have more screen time associated with them, and the key friend is Tom now, there isn't as much time with Carol to flesh her out. She's right. just kind of the girl right now. She's becoming, and she's, yeah. She's just going to stay that for a while. She's becoming Perry White. Like, eh. she's not really that important. She's his boss, so she shows up when something has to happen related to his alter ego. Yes. But, like... Yeah, that's the key phrase. She is serving as either the she's either serving as the girl who wants green lantern and that's just kind of her role or she's serving as the plot enabler right yeah and and honestly yeah i miss i miss the carol howell thing but at the same time we've we've gone from romance novel to sci-fi show yeah and and it's, it's not as cool not bad either though like yeah. i mean it's 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 definitely an okay comic you know, it's it's definitely not going to win any awards at this point, but it's also better than what we used to see in the Golden oh, Age. Yeah. Oh, Still, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, Noxos the Robot and, and like, Hector Hammond and all that's kind of cool and I'm digging it. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's maybe on par with Aquaman. If anything, I like that it's a little bit more serious because you can kind of get into it. It's more mm-hmm. action-oriented, so it being serious kind of fits it, but... I think it also does action like serious better than Aquaman does during that like right. those two uh, showcase issues. Yeah. I think these are absolutely better than those. Yeah, uh, I'm not inspired by them, but yeah. I, I I agree like they're they're, cool. they're solid. But yeah, like I had that I had that happy place. Yeah, it was taken. From we're me. we're definitely not like going out of our way to be like if you want to read a, a Silver Age comic, you should read Aquaman like we did with Aquaman. Like we're not <laughs> we're not doing that with this right now. Yeah. Then again, we haven't hit the high note when like the lanterns start showing up and you get Sinestro yeah. and like so yeah. we haven't gotten there yet, but uh, we might. And the one thing I'll say is um, so like I said, I did read like further a little bit. Uh, the Hal Carol dynamic does improve a little bit, uh, improve a bit later on. Specifically, the Hal Carol dynamic, yeah. uh, not the Green Lantern Carol dynamic, because there are going to be points like uh, he goes on a double date with uh, uh, Carol and then with Tom and Terga. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bit where they go out, where Hal and Carol go out dancing. It's it doesn't sizzle as well by any means but it's at least okay this is happening i I really like the interpretation of her in uh new frontier Mm -hmm. where she's the boss and they're very like that that whole that sequence when they're at dinner is the epitome of the how carol relationship of the two of them talking business 
and Hal gets the job and he's like well that's great we should celebrate and she goes you know Mr. Jordan I have a very specific rule as to not fraternize with my employees and he goes well I don't start till tomorrow that's right oh god and, that line was so good and she looks at the waiter and she goes two glasses <laughs> and and like that's that's the perfect epitome of their relationship yeah. versus everyone else is like you know lois and clark is the you know you make me want to be a better person um barry and iris are the wholesome you know you're my lightning rod you ground me um selena and bruce is the really bad like um <laughs> codependent I hate myself yeah. for loving you. It's very much that. I can't sing while laughing. That's an issue. But it's it's very much that. Um, Mara and Aquaman are, uh, I believe in you. You you are better than this, and I will support you as you find out who you are. Like, there's so many different mm-hmm. relationships. But, but Hal and Carol are very much the, like... Okay, like we can't go on dates with them because it's like really uncomfortable. Like, like we <laughs> just can't... like halfway through, just like they're Hal just staring at each nudging, other, uh, Bruce, yeah. just like go, you guys, you go, need to, you need go, to go, go. Yeah, like it, they are, they're like all over each other at at mm. on dates. Like you know that they're like the, you know the only couple that they can go out with are probably Barry and Iris because they're like totally just, like, funny. Yin-yang. They think it's adorable. They they oh think that they're oh my god, they, yeah, that's. They're totally into how cute that. they are. Like they're like, look, it's so good that they love each other that much. Is how Barry and Iris see it, and Hal and Carol are like, they think that Barry and Iris are wonderfully old fashioned, and that's kind of that whole dynamic. It is the oh, it would be like that when we're seventy, right? They're like we, I, they're their best friends. Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't. They don't think of going out without thinking of burying out and uh, Iris. Like they, Ooh, yeah, they're just yeah, yeah. That's that's their friends. They're their best friends, and they don't make them feel weird. Versus like if they went out with like Lois and Clark, Lois would be like, "What the hell is going on? Like every, do they need to go? Like every week or so, <laughs> every week or so, Hal and uh, Hal and Carol get a phone call from Ollie and Dinah, and oh, it's just yeah. like. Oh, it's on. <laughs> well, like, I, am I going to remember tomorrow? Well, no. Like <laughs> Ollie and Dinah are definitely the relationship of like, on and off. Mm-hmm. You know, we're angry, but we're lo- we're in love with each other. They're the constantly fighting, completely in love with each other couple. Mm-hmm. Um, One last side yeah. note, uh, and then we can get to recommendations. <laughs> but uh, I figured out one of the things that the paneling of. Uh, the first chunk of issues that we covered reminds me of the comic strips of Calvin and Hobbes Mm. where Susie and Calvin are playing house Mm. (laughs) and it's just the hyper dramatic the uh darling I'm home and I brought a surprise I hope it's a divorce (laughs) like I I have it up right here and it's just like oh man I remember this shit oh she has the baby and it's a bunny and he's like that's a rabbit and she's like no it's not it's our child he's like that's no this is stupid no it's It's a bunny it's so good and there's a couple of them and it always works. Okay. Oh man, I need to reread a bunch of of, what was the name of the Captain Blasto? Uh, it's there's Spaceman Spiff. Spaceman Spiff. Yeah. Uh, and then there was like a superhero with I thought with a blaster. Well, I would definitely say that like Captain uh, Captain Stupendous might be Captain. Stupendous. No, it's it's not that. But I would definitely... Stupendous Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I would definitely say like Green Lantern is definitely Spaceman Spiff, but like serious. Yeah. It like 
this era, this yeah. or rather the issues that we covered today are yeah. very much Spaceman. Calvin's trying to do the Spaceman spiff vibe, but like with Calvin imagination. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, recommendations right now. I'm trying to think of the last time I did Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the one I'll recommend. Uh, I'm, I'll actually recommend two things that kind of fit into the same thing. Uh, the first being, if you haven't read More Than Meets the Eye, hmm. please do so. <laughs> it is, like, first off, okay, so you have Transformers, and then it's, like, really well written, really fucking funny. Uh, Rodimus is just, Hot Rod is fucking hilarious. Uh, and it's also, like, there are some genuinely emotionally impactful moments in there of giant gay robots in space. And I'll also recommend Query, which is hosted by, I don't remember her name, but it's a podcast uh, by a stand-up comedian, uh, a lesbian woman, uh, and she just oh, has people Cameron on. Esposito. Quite like, quite like Yeah. Uh, like. She had uh, Rebecca Sugar on, and it was an amazing interview. Yeah, Cameron Esposito's really funny. She's got a good... Uh, she did the, I think it was the BuzzFeed, like, question, like ask a question of a lesbian... I believe that, like, series for a long time where she was, like, just answering questions that people would ask her and she would just make them really funny. She's she's, she's got a hilarious delivery, yeah. She, I think she's got a, a show with her wife, um, like, on a streaming service about being two married lesbian comedians and, like, what that's mm-hmm. like. Um, that's right, because her wife is also a comedian. I forgot yeah. about that. Um, but it's, they're, they're cute and they're also really clever and funny, mm-hmm. so if... I can't remember her wife's name, but Cameron Esposito, if you're looking for the Query podcast, if that mm-hmm. is who that is. Um, I guess I'm going to go with, with an old standby just because I haven't, uh, I'm not up on my, my recent Rebirth stuff yet, so I can't recommend that. But I will say, um, if you haven't and you're curious about something like creator-owned from the ground up and just really interesting and really weird and out there and funny... Goon. Ooh. Eric Powell's Goon is just such a weird... It's dirty adult Sunday morning car, like comics. Like, Goon is essentially a big mob enforcer guy who fights zombies in a town full of weird monster people. It's Hellboy, but way less taken seriously. Mm. And... That's a good way to describe it. It's also yeah. a very distinctive oh, yeah. kind of, uh, style. It's, it's very... Um, you know, beat them up, but also silly, but also kind of like weirdly heartfelt at the same time. There's a lot going on. Um, Goon is just a really good read. Uh, if you're looking for something that isn't a superhero comic, that's a little bit more out there, that's a little bit more gothic and, and weird and silly, Goon. You know, if you're if you're into Hellboy, you'll be into Goon. Goon is just Hellboy light and and jokey. So I think that will do it for us this episode. We're going to revisit Green Lantern at a later date. We are going to assemble the Justice League and do all their episodes first. <laughs> Wrong franchise. Right. We're going to join the Justice League. We're going to America the Justice League? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're going we're gonna to do all that and get those characters kind of grounded so that you understand who is in the Justice League, what they're like at this time. And then we're going to do some like team books or do Justice League for a while. And then we'll start getting into the weird, wacky, and crazy of... I'm looking forward to that. I'm uh, I'm definitely going to push for us to do Metamorpho. 
guys like that. So there's there's some good characters out there that are creations of the Silver Age that pop up during like crisis this mm-hmm. and crisis that you're just like holy shit is that metamorpho a, a writer at some point carries the torch for that character. yeah um i'm gonna see if we can get like firestorm things Ooh. like that you know Fire, firestorm is a silver age character i believe so if i'm not I, mistaken i guess i believe um it. but yeah things like that we're gonna see if we can get some really interesting different characters that we haven't covered basically like how we did sandman we're gonna mm-hmm. do one episode for them we're gonna go through the whole thing we're we'll like this is what this character is hooray so hopefully you are excited about that as well because we're going to get away from the main Justice League. But next, it's going to be every, everybody's favorite Scarlet Speedster, at least those of you who watch the television show, it's going to be Barry Allen as The Flash. We're going to get to see what Barry Allen is like when he starts out. A whole new origin story and just a whole different tone. So get ready for that. And that When, be... when does that start, by the way? Is that earlier? Is that uh, Around the same time. Before? Okay. Around the same time. Reason, I, I, believe he's, I, think, I believe he's... I think he's before Hal. That sounds If I'm not mistaken. I I feel like that might be 54. Earlier, yeah. be crazy. But one way or another, it's going to be a good time in Central City. So we will see you all next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and DCDetectivesPodcast.com. Luckily for us, Miss Ferris wasn't on site today. Something about a party. They expected Green Lantern to show up. We had plenty of time to talk with the engineer, Tom. Enough time to get him talking about GL. Even though he'd only been active a short time, he'd already been to deep space and other dimensions. At this rate, he'd run into an arch nemesis before long. With case file in hand, we slipped out of the base, starting the long drive to Central City. We'd heard about a red blur over there, and we were pretty sure of who it'd be.